This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say, what's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Week. My name's Dan Fudge and with me tonight I've got John, I've got Simon, I've got Ben. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, it does look like I'm about to break in a song. I can assure you I'm not. I'm having some microphone issues tonight and this is what I've got this evening. So uh, I might sound smooth and sexy for you this evening, but also, you know, I might sound like... uh, like you live your life like a candle in the wind. See, see, I've got it, haven't I? I've got it. Right then, so oh god, who are we talking about this week? I mean, God, it's got to be what it's got to be somebody new, and it, you know, is it gonna be Wimbledon? Is it gonna be Spurs? Is it I mean who are we playing, lads? I mean, who are we talking about this week, Si? Uh well, why don't we talk about Saturday and talk about a win at Hillsborough that put us top? How about that one? Let's talk about that one first because, I, you know, the other one I write can't be arsed with. Like, honestly, I'm sick to death of talking about the other team. So, uh, so yes, let's talk about top of the table clash. We've got one game in hand. Uh, win this and we go top and still maintain our game in hand. Uh, big, big attendance at, at Hillsborough Bend this week. Um, I mean, it weren't too shabby, were it? it? It weren't pretty though either. No, it were good. I don't think it were as best performance of the season, but it, it was up there and we look, we did what we had to do. That early goal, I think it'd been a completely different game had it been nil nil half time and then you know you they'd have probably been happier with a draw and but yeah that early goal really put us on top and first half dominated. I think we could have had a couple more. Um probably should have created a bit more in the first half if we go a bit critical and then Second half, we just showed how solid we can be, really, which we've, we've 
been all season and we don't really show any sign of you know stopping that. I mean, 17 clean sheets for the season and we're it's what early Feb. <laughs> That equals club record, doesn't it? Um, which yeah, it shows how solid we are, and it should have been two 0 Let's be honest. I've, I've got a bit yeah. to say about that because it's absolutely bullshit. But we'll get to that. I mean, to be fair, it was the right of ticket keeper, but I, I, I guess we'll get to that now. Now, now, John, I, I mean, I, I think Ben's right in his assessment there. You know, it was a great win. We had a great crowd. You know, it was a result we wanted. But when you actually think about the performance that was that was put in. I mean, we're not our best one, were it? But surely that's a sign of a good team, right? Absolutely. I thought we absolutely nullified Plymouth. Um, they obviously would have been wanting to come away with a draw at least um, and preserve their top spot. I thought we controlled the game from start to finish. I, didn't, I never really thought that they were a threat. The only threat was that it was only 1-0, and while it's only 1-0, there's always the chance that, you know, they, they can get a, a free kick or, well, they got a free kick from diving, didn't they? But, you know, um, deflected goal, anything like that. But I thought we absolutely controlled the game. I thought the crowd helped. I thought Hillsborough being over 30,000 was an absolute thing of beauty. I wish we could do it every week. Um, I think it makes a massive difference to the players, to the atmosphere, to the away players. I think it can be intimidating because Plymouth won't have played in front of a crowd as big as that. Uh, for a long, long time, I would suspect. Um, and I thought it, it, it all sort of worked in our favour. And but for some horrendous officiating in terms of looking at our replay screen. I mean, we had a screen for like a decent screen for years. We get one in and it's coming back to bite us on the bum, isn't it? And uh, it, it would have been a comfortable and well-deserved 2-0 victory instead of just a 1-0, but thoroughly deserved it. Um, and what made me smile was when I look back on some of the videos, they were. I think right before we scored, they were the Plymouth fans were singing "Where Plymouth, Argyle, We're top of the league." And then, boom, Patterson just slots one in, cracking finish, and uh, we start. We said, "Thanks very much. We'll have that song. We're top of the league." And uh, yeah, it was just just a great day all round, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it went too. It went too bad, was it, Simon? Now, I mean, I I I thought it was great, but I, I tell you what, it was. I, I watched um, I watched Everton. Earlier on that day, uh, play who did they play? They beat one nil. Arsenal, right? Top, they beat top of the league, Arsenal. And you've heard you've heard that phrase before, twelfth man, and, and get the crowd behind them and stuff like that. And the Everton fans were in fine voice. I mean, it was actually really impressive to to, to see Goodison Park as full as what it was and as loud as what they were, given the given the troubles that they're having. And at that point, watching that game. At my advanced age, it was the first time that I realised what the twelfth man was, and it's every touch, every niggle, every pull, and it's noise, and it's and it's vitriol, and it's and it's passion, and we had that in spades on Saturday, didn't we? Yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. It was wonderful to see from from start to finish. To like John said, um, Hillsborough is a, a thing of beauty when it's full, and and you know what. Um, the cynic inside me was expecting issues in regards to driving there, parking, stewarding, running out of pies by 10 minutes into arriving, running out of beer. Wednesday did it absolutely perfectly. From from, from Friday, no, honestly, from Friday announcing that turnstiles would be open early um, to just basically 
showing uh, what a load of rubbish the uh, issues with Newcastle were and actually proving that this is a, a, a slick run club that can do things right for a change. And it was great. Yeah, there were queues, but there are always going to be queues, isn't there? Because there's 34,000 there. Um, but it was absolutely brilliant. And then to get in there from the start of hi-ho silver lining and, and, and watching the manager clap in. And I think that, you know, those that haven't been this season or have been to a few to see the manager doing that and get involved just brought everybody on board. And it, it was it was wonderful. And And then during the game, like John said, we're top of the league and Pato just shut them up and <laughs> they just went quiet. And then we, we we ruled the roost then. We ruled the roost from the start to the finish of the game, despite them having the 12th man being the guy wearing the black, um, which was, to be honest, if we if we were to talk about the keeper, uh, sorry, about the referee, um, he had a first good, good first half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but I just do not know what happened from the moment he came out. I can't remember what the first challenge was, but it was almost like, what? What has gone on there? And and, and it there was went a, bad to worse. There was one where we had a corner at the cop end and their defender was all over Flint. And then he, the referee yeah. stopped the corner, had a word with them both. And then Flint still got smashed to the floor. Like, what? Yeah, mm. yeah, and there was an offside where there were three players stood behind. Oh, gee, um, that's and... that's the best one. That is the best. I... That is, I think, that the funniest offside I've ever seen. From the, the there's a there's an angle from the north stand where kids videoed it from top corner at north stand, and that's even better because you see the linesman and you see the point at which he thinks, "Oh, that's offside that one." And there's a Plymouth Argyle player about a good two yards behind Michael yeah, Smith on the other side. Yeah. Um, Bizarre. I mean, at times I, t- I said, to "My dad, I said, no, nobody's moved. It's not like anyone's like run past anybody. There, everyone's just stood still." I'm, I'm not but, sure. But that it was that. it was night and day, wasn't it, in regards yeah. to the performance? And that was the weirdest thing that you know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it was almost like somebody had slipped slipped a brown envelope under the door of the officials uh, with either you know one one written on it or or, or two one written on it. Um, to, to, to basically, because it was just mad. Either that or he fell over and banged his head. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know whether we're going to go into detail about the disallowed goal, but it was it was just horrendous, horrendous. I tell you what, let's let, let, let's let's get into something. I just want to tell you about something first, and and then we'll get we'll get into the disallowed goal. Um, now, good few years ago, I don't I don't know if some of you know, my my stepbrother is one of the coaches at Liverpool. He's the uh, he's the under eighteen coach, and um, and back in the day when he was cutting his teeth, a good I want to say eight to ten years ago now, uh, a mate of mine, Bristol City fan, he says uh, I've got tickets to the Bristol derby. Do you want to come down? I went, yeah, I'm up for that. I want to see how the uh, how the how the cider drinkers go and do derbies at their end. And at the time, I d- I didn't know where he was. You know what I mean? And uh, and my uh, and my step brother was walking through the stand, and I went, all right, John. He went, all right, Dan. And he's there, and he's in the home end at, at Bristol City where we were and he was walking through the side to get to the gantry to get to the top because he was the guy that used to video the games and then give the players feedback on their on their prowess and where they should have been and what they should have been doing and he's there in his all his Bristol Rovers garb 
and and I've never seen somebody so edgy when I stopped. You know, when I stopped talking to, I was like, oh, he's like, he's like, he's got his head on a swivel like Frank Lampard in two thousand six. You know what I mean? Like looking around him, and um, and on that day, I said to him, who's 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 sticking out for you? Like, you know, what what have you got an eye on? He said, it's their centre back you've got to look out for. And I went, all right, I'll, I'll have a look. Cheers, John. See you. Nice to see you again. See you later. Uh, and as they left, their car got smashed up. Like, you know, it, they they do derbies as as well as Sheffield does. To be fair. And um, and I watched this big, tall Adonis of a man, absolutely heading the world away with his forehead, because my brother said so. And, <laughs> and 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 from that moment, I went, I love him. He's right up my street. Absolute king of shit housing. And then fast forward a few years, he's now playing for Cardiff, this centre back, and uh, he was doing the star jumps behind our wall, and we uh, we conceded a goal there, and I thought. Brilliant, brilliant. And then there was the—I uh, don't know if you remember the Bristol City gifts, the um, for when they scored, and he used mm. to do the DJ one or the one where he ate all the spaghetti. They were absolutely brilliant. And si- you know, since that day, since I nearly got me my stepbrother chived up on the <laughs> on the north stand at, at Bristol City, um, I've been in love with Aidan Flint. I, I, and when he when he came to us the first time, I was over the moon. And then when he got that injury, went back and then started playing for them again. I was absolutely devastated. I never thought I'd see it again, but I was just happy once he'd put on a Sheffield Wednesday shirt. And then now he's back. Ben, that man was sublime on Saturday, wasn't he? He did everything that you're going to ask of him um, between now and the end of the season. Edit and kick mm-hmm. it as far away from our goal as possible. And they were mm-hmm. in the second half where, probably late on as well, where they're just oofing it forward. And he's he's met it on probably just, just shy halfway line. Yeah, landed it well inside box, easily. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just it, we're never going to be able to perfectly replace Mark McGuinness, and I still don't think mm-hmm. we have. But we've done, I think, as level best to do that. I think we've got as good as we were ever going to get in replacing the hole that he he's left. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, John, did you have any? Any concerns about our defensive back line? I mean, when when you think about it, right against Plymouth, our, our, our three centre backs were Iorfa, Flint, and Palmer, who, for all intents and purposes, are a bit or what you some would refer to as a as a makeshift back line. You know, no Hennigan, no McGuinness, no Ihekwe. You know, uh, so Iorfa's been been stepped up. Palmer is essentially a fullback. Aidan Flint's not played football in Christ knows when. I mean, that that could have gone to shit, right? John? Yeah, I mean, uh, what Moore's done this season is he's kind of had to do as well. His players have had to learn new positions. We've seen it with Reese James. With um, We've seen it with Liam Palmer stepping into centre-half. Um, mm. Iofa's gone from playing right-back to centre-half and then from playing in a back four to a back three. They've all had to adapt, haven't they? And credit to them. Um, I think largely they've all, they've all done well with it, uh, to be fair. And I think Flint coming in, just give us that aerial presence that we kind of lost when Hennigan went down because that was kind of Hennigan's strength uh, more than anything was his physicality, his height, his aerial duels that he would win. Um, and I think bringing Flint in has, has, has sort of filled that sort of void from losing Hennigan. And you could see on Saturday he was getting his head to everything, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Um, well, it must be about six four as it is, but he, he, he jumps really well for a tall guy. He's well. sexy though, isn't he? Um, and he's sexy. <laughs> Yeah, um, 
he's just one of them characters as well, isn't he? We've got you know, and, and having um, Patterson in the back line as well. You got you got two shit houses in the in the back line there that uh, will will get stuck in, not afraid to put their head in where most people won't put the feet, you know. So the, the, I thought it worked well, and I think um, not really concerned because whether it's the level that we are or whether it's the confidence that we've got, or we don't mind who we're going to play at the back. You know, 17 clean sheets tells you that we'll, we'll stick anyone in there and we're confident we're, we're going to get a performance out and we're, and we're going to be solid at the back. So they're obviously a lot better and a lot more well-drilled at the back than, you know, than they were perhaps, you know, the start of the first couple of months of the season. Absolutely. Now, Simon, there's a... There was an element of, you know, the, the team that must not be named ever again for at least two years. Uh, they they come to Hillsborough and they try and stop us playing football. Uh, many teams have tried to do it at Hillsborough. They've, come on, stop us playing, try and neutralise Ban. And a lot of the time we've played round and we've won 1-0, we've won 2-0, we've, we've not conceded. Um, but Plymouth was a different kettle of crabs for me. And there was a point where we've had to we've had to stop them playing football a little bit. And when we had the, the usual 2pm meltdown about the um, about the lineup, you must have seen Patterson in there, like most, and thought, What's, what the fucking hell's happening there? What, <laughs> how, how has this happened? How have we got here? But then as the game rode on and the physicality that, that Flint, uh, Flint and Patterson possess, all of a sudden that, that change that Moore made to put him in that position was inspired, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, I think when we discussed this in regards to the lineup last week, I asked Steve who he thought he would play at the back. And Flint wasn't mentioned. We didn't think Flint would actually play. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, Femwo, uh, Iorfa and Palmer. So to be walking down Penniston Road and see Femo wasn't even in the side, wasn't even on the bench. And he dropped Pato into a wing-back role. Um, that was quite a surprise, but it, 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 it was inspired. It was absolutely inspired. Um, helped mm-hmm. by a, a midfield who were so up for it. You know, again, we got... You know, you got Volks, you got Bannon, you got Byers, all closing down. So they were doing that. We are not going to let you play Plymouth. We are not going to let you attack. We are not going to let you build the ball from the back. We are going to close you down. And and that's what we did for probably 80, 80 minutes of the entire game. Um, I think when you, we changed you're right about players, Bannon. Bannon was a man possessed that day. He was. And, and as nice it sounds, because of the level that he plays at, he doesn't really get enough credit from from the fans online and shows like this and all the rest of it, you know, we, because his, his bare minimum is so high, but I need to, I, I need to mention Bannon here because I, I thought he was sublime and the, the best bit about Bannon. And we used to discuss it a couple of years ago when we were, when we were on the decline out of the championship, that there was a point where because of Bannon's character and because of uh, his, his ability there was a point where he would demand the ball all the time. And everything, I think Ash, you used the phrase, everything has to go through Bannon. And what we have now is is a, is, is a Barry Bannon surrounded by players who aren't, what's the word, intimidated by him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Butterfield and uh, Pelopessi, when Bannon said, give me the ball, they give him the ball. Mm-hmm. Whereas Volks and Byers, because they're so confident in their own ability, they'll be like, no, you're all right, Barry, I'm going to slot this one down the right-hand side. 
And, and Barry's like, all right, lads, you know, whatever plays better for, I'm just an option here for you, as opposed to, you know, trying to dictate. Yeah. Exactly right. And, it, and, and what that did was free him up. And some of the balls he was playing through was absolutely un- astounding. In a way, what it's been, a, we've got a benefit from the fact of Bannon getting injured. Because Volks came into the side unfit at the start of the season, was in and out, in and out. And what it did when Bannon got injured, it forced more to give Volks a run in the side. And what that's actually done is it's actually made him match fit. To which point now you've got three midfielders there who are, I I, 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 I love Bannon to death. I think he's fantastic. But I actually prefer George Byers from a personal point of view. I think George Byers is a fantastic footballer, fantastic player. And by having that level of class in that midfield, which we've not had before. So you're exactly right, Pelopesi and and players of, of that ilk in the past, they they haven't been, say, fit to lace Bannon's boots. But I actually think now we've got three midfielders who are, we've got the best midfield in this league, and, and the midfield that I, is mid-championship level as well, if not higher, uh, with those three players. So what, what Bannon's injury has done is allowed Volks to come through and get his form back, um, Byers has been in and out, obviously, with a couple of injuries, but that's kept his fitness level up as well. Uh, so now um, we've got a midfield that is, it is the best. It is absolutely the best. And if we can keep those three fit and firing, then the, the, that, cha- that, that trophy, League One trophy, is going to have Sheffield Wednesday inscribed on it at the end of the season. That'd be, that'd be sexy, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Now, in, in terms of that midfield, Ben, I, w- I want to talk about Dennis Adenaran. Um didn't really set the world on fire when he came on. Don't get me wrong, he came into an absolute cauldron at the time. Um, but didn't really do it for me. I, I, I don't, am I being overcritical because, you know, the other rest of the midfield had such a good game? But he started out great because we were like, oh, look how much he runs, look how much he runs. And then now we're like, look how much he runs. Does he know how to play football, though? <laughs> you know what I mean? Is, is he element of that or am I being a bit of a dick? Um, I think it's partly to do with how, how well the you know, your, your main three complement each other. I think Volks complements Bannon and Byers even better than probably Luongo did last season. Um, and then you, you drop a Denderin in and he's, he's different to all three of them. He's more box to box. He's more of a runner, whereas Volks is, Volks is the one that you probably ought to take out for him or Byers. And he's not as technical. Denderin, for me, is technically able as, as Byers is. And he's not the holding midfielder, the one that's going to break up play like Volks is. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't think it's necessarily that he's weaker, um, albeit probably technically, you know, a little bit weaker than those three, but he's not, you know, he's not a million miles off. I just don't, I think he's different and I don't think he complements the 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 two that he's, he's in there with, whoever that may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, uh, but then when when you go further down the squad and you look players like Backinson, you know where does he fit in? Who's who's there? Who's he complimenting? You know what I mean? See, see, that's where I think he he's the one that's probably the one. If you go take Volks out at any point, that you drop in there. You see, Simon's shaking his head at me, but he's the one. That's I went to... last night, mate. I will talk about last night. But, <laughs> but, but you know, if you, I'll keep shaking your head. But <laughs> 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 I'm thinking light for light. Volks is the one that. You know, if you are, if you do have to take him out, if he gets injured at any point, 
whether you like it or not, I think Backinson's the one that's going to come in there and play in that position um, because I just think he's, he's he's better suited to to replace Falk. Yeah, he's, he's the deep lane second yeah. choice midfielder that we have, isn't he? His, his main game is to sit sit back there and try and replicate what Volks does with the with you know deep line midfielder, spray the ball out. Um probably could do with getting his foot in a bit a bit more than he does. Um I think Simon will agree agree with that. But um I think uh, certainly Backinson and Adenarin, they they they're just getting sort of odd game here and there, aren't they? They are the backups, aren't they? And it's down to them to try and and they've got a big job on their hands, by the way, to try and force one of the the current three out of there, um, which which is not, which in all likelihood doesn't look like that will happen this season. But there's certainly a lot stronger backups than like we mentioned before when we were in the championship, and you had Pelopesi, who as soon as he got the ball was looking for Bannon, wasn't he? he? Didn't want any part of the football. So this for me is best midfield we've had since you know first first second year. Um, well, it depends it, for me. It, it depends. Do you know what? That's a hell. Of, that's a hell of a claim. That one. Did you just say second best midfield since Carlos? Or I'd I'd say this is best midfield three. Well, we've Bannon, Byers, and Vault since we had what well, Alex. Lowe since Kieran Lee graced the shores of hills. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say I'd say I'd say we'll look back in three years' time and say that Byers is will will be think, thought of in as high, if not higher, regard than Kieran Lee was. Ooh, hell of a claim that, Ben. We'll, we'll come back to that in two yeah. years. We'll clip that, yeah, and then we'll. That's what we'll say. Um, I, I mean, Simon, before before you disagree, I was there with you at Southampton, and I thought Backinson had a great game. As did I, all for playing randomly at fullback, if I remember rightly. But that Southampton game, that was a Backinson game. Sat there, broke it up, played some great balls through. What's he doing different now? Uh, should I leave it till when we talk about the Fleetwood game, or should I just I tell you what, let, let, let's, let's leave put, it? Let's put a pin in it, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give you the disallowed goal. Oh my life! <laughs> right, it's just bang. My head is exploding. Um, so the referee was not gracing himself with any sort of favours in the second half. Um. It, uh, the goal, Byers, who scored it, wasn't it? Um, in my mind, and seen all the videos since, was a legitimate goal. 100% legitimate goal. Um, and it was given. We celebrated, and we celebrated, and we celebrated. <laughs> and then the guy who sits in front of us turned around and said, Referee's gone out. And I remember seeing the referee just looking at our guys celebrating and virtually point to the spot. This is kick for kickoff. And next minute, he stood with the linesman. The linesman, by the way, who never raised his flag until they had a bit of a chat and then he raised his flag and he gave it offside. Which everybody in the entire stadium, other than the Plymouth fans who believe this eye relief, was just smacked. So, weren't sure. There was talks, well, did Gregory impede it? Ethan was saying he jumped over the ball, a la, um, who was it, uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, the mm-hmm. other week against Man City. Um, and then, as we were driving home, they interviewed Moore, and he was saying that it was disallowed after the linesman had watched the replay on the big screen. Now, apparently, the Plymouth coaches had been 
pointing to the big screen when they were watching it and getting the attention of the linesman to look at the big screen. Then Liam Palmer was also interviewed after the game and he was also reiterated that they were told that it was disallowed due to the linesman watching the big screen. Okay? Now, Mm -hmm. VAR only runs in the Premiership. That goal was legitimately given and it should not have been disallowed due to watching the replay on the screen. Go on, ben. So, I'll I'll chip in here as well. Um, <laughs> I, I, even even using the screen, which you haven't got the best view at, you know you only got one what, angle, what, wasn't you, it? You, you, one you've angle. looked like that. You've looked up at big screen. You, you can't make a decision off of that in split second. You're better off making a decision there as you've seen it live. Anyway, I, I, for me, I still don't. I still don't think that you should rule that out, even when you've watched it on big screen. In my opinion, Gregory isn't in front of the goalkeeper. For me, he's adequately enough to the left. I had a little bit of a debate with Dale Johnson on Twitter. Um, it might have been on Sunday about this. He said that it, Gregory had interfered with the goalkeeper. For me, I were on the cop and usually I'll be a bit... Well, I'm not sure if I want to celebrate that one if I think it's a 50-50. But Gregory's well to the side of him and in line. It's not in front of him. He's not... The ball's already passed the goalkeeper uh, by the time Gregory's jumping over it. The goalkeeper, it's, it's passed him before he knows it. He's not made any attempt really to dive for the ball. It's not like Gregory stood next to him and prevented him from, from going down, getting down to his left to try and save it. Um, so for me, I don't see how he's interfered. And you, Simon referred to Marcus Rashford, example, which I did on, on Twitter as well. I, how can you say that that one is, isn't interfering with the goalkeeper, yet Gregory is? When, for me, he, he re, he, I just can't see how he's interfered with the ball's passing. John, help him out here, because I'll tell you what, what we're getting now is what about her? You know what I mean? Come on now, aren't <laughs> we? We're going, well, if Rashford this, then Lee Gregory that. Come on, John. Let, let, you've got the deciding vote on this, because this is utter shit they're talking here. Come on, pal. It, it was a it was a it was a fair goal and it should have stood. And I think no, no. The, the 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 problem was, it was um, you know, and I think more kind of was pragmatic in the end when they no. when they interviewed him because yeah, we'd won the game. But if that oh, had yeah. been to get a point or something like that, and it you know, or that had a cost us because we it was disallowed, then I think we'd have been making a lot more of it. But we got the point. It, we got the three points. We got the win. So there's almost this sense of, I just let it go, but it should have been a goal. I don't think Gregory was interfering with the keeper. I think it was a desperate plea by the keeper. Um, Goalkeeper gave up on it as well. He he appealed to start with, but then, you know, he didn't carry on. He thought, fair enough, it's gone. Yeah, uh, it was past him before it even, you know, it was not, Gregory didn't impede him in his vision or anything. It was just a good finish by Byers. It was past him. It was gone. It was in the back of the net. It was a desperate plea, putting his hand up. Um, referee were fine with it. He was pointing back to the centre circle for kickoff. Linesman, like you say, if he's been uh, encouraged to look at the big screen. By the way, the stadium manager better be on his uh, toes next game, because you don't want that happening again, do you? Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it should have been a goal, should have stood, should have been 2 0. Then, then again, the, I... the replay went up because it got allowed. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's, well, that's, yeah. Right. Yeah. that's why it went yeah. up. Okay. But the, the, 
You're not supposed to show replays, are you? Because it can, yeah, I thought there was, I thought there was a rule against it because there was a yeah. uh, it incited violence or something like that. Yeah. If, if I remember rightly. I, but it, it's it's a fact that it, as you've said it, it's been given, and we didn't really have any suspicion to think that they were going to rule that one out. To be honest, listen to Dan Fudge here, right? So I, I tell you what, there was there was a point when it went in, right, where I went, he's going to call that offside straight away. As soon as it went in, he's going to call it offside. I feel that where Gregory stood is in what you'd refer to as the periphery of the goalkeeper's vision, right? And I feel that. There's an element of the goalkeeper not even diving for the ball because he thought, well, look at this silly sod stood offside here. Then Gregory jumped over the ball and it went in, right? Now, in he's pointed to the spot and in true and in true fashion, true interpretation of the rules, they shouldn't have been using the replays on the screen to 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 disallow it. He's allowed it, that's football, get on with it, see you later. You know what I mean? And and that's a goal, that's a legitimate goal. However, I just don't think it should have been allowed in the first place. I, I, I genuinely think he was interfering with play just by his sheer presence there. And if you're going to use Rashford with whataboutery in terms of that shouldn't have stood either because he's in the bloody way. You know, how a player, that why it was, that's why it was such a contentious decision because, you know, that's why people spoke about it because he was interfering with play just by his sheer position. And I think that's what Gregory did. Um, have we had any real explanation from from anybody saying was it given for offside then or was it given for touching Lee Gregory for example have they have they decided that's what it was I've not I've not seen anything about the exact reason about why it's why it's been disallowed the the the, the rule that I'd seen well I said I had a debate with Dale Johnson and, and Adam Oxley as well um and Adam Oxley replied I don't know if I'll be able to find it quickly enough May be able to. This is it. He replied with the 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 law and the interpretation of it. Um, the player in offside position at the moment the ball is played or touched by a teammate is only penalised on becoming involved in active play by interfering with play by playing or touching a ball passed or touched by a teammate, interfering with an opponent by preventing an opponent from playing or being able to play the ball clearly, obstructing the opponent's line of vision. That's it could could be that, or challenging an opponent for the ball, or clearly attempting to play a ball, which is close when this action impacts on an opponent, or the final one, making an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball. Or there is one more final one: gaining an advantage by playing the ball, or interfering with an opponent when it has rebounded or been deflected off the goalpost, crossed by a match official or an opponent, or been deliberately saved by an opponent. Well, that's cleared that up then, lads. There, yeah. Yeah. It's the vision one, isn't it? It's got to be the vision one. That You'd imagine it's either the vision one or make an obvious action which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball in that case. Yeah. Of, of, of which case, um, Dan, eloquently argued, but you're wrong. Um, the, 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 the ball came in from the, the... He came in from the right-hand side. Baez came in from the right-hand side. Gregory was stood to the left of goal. If Gregory was yeah. impeding his sight on the ball... Then what on earth was he looking to the left to the left hand side when the actual because there's a player the coming in side. and he's got to go and mark him. So what he's done, he's moved to the left a little bit, left his near post open, coming oh, over just no. by his presence. He's got to essentially mark him, and that's that's why he, he is in play, as it were. Now, if he was offside, if he was where he was, it bounced off the post and he shinned it in. Then yeah, then, you know, then, then it's offside. Then yeah. it's offside. But but, but okay, but. 
Why did it take so long for the linesman to play? That's the, that's the wrong bit. That's the wrong bit. You know, whatever goes on that screen, I mean, you know, whatever whatever happens on that screen, six years ago, we used to have the word written on yeah. it. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden it's a... It's a bloody like that. It, that's mental, right? That's that's wrong, yeah. isn't it? That that's that and, I, that, and, that I genuinely agree with. But in terms of the actual, um, what's the word? In terms of the actual decision itself, I can see why it's made. And this this is why for me, I feel that VAR doesn't work because I still believe that a good chunk of the rules are interpretation. You know, we've all been on the on the park and someone's gone handball, and the and the other kid's gone. Ball to hand. There was never a rule that said ball to hand. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, but we've all shouted it, right? You know what I mean? So there's still there are still rules where it's six one after the other. And if you're having a, a chat on somewhere as reasonable as Twitter, Ben, you know what I mean? One of you posting up the rules essentially prove both of you right and both of you wrong at the same time. That you know, it's not any clearer, is it, right? Yeah. Um, however, I will always plant my plant my flag in the fact that they shouldn't be using the screen and there shouldn't be 90 seconds after disallowing a goal because they've seen a replay on the screen. Mm-hmm. And what the fuck are we doing as a stadium by giving them that opportunity? As soon as we saw the, the Plymouth bench gesticulating towards the camera, get it off! Yeah. Get, yeah. get an advert for, for the restaurant. Here, you know, Erste's yeah. Bar or something. Fuck's sake. The problem being is that um, that was on top of every other decision that the referee had made during the game. So it wasn't as if he'd made one mistake in that second half. So exactly. So Wilkes being literally having the shirt pulled off him, which yeah. was uh, a yellow card every day. Wilkes got away from me, played advantage. Then well, the, good the, the advantage play, well, yeah, exactly. it was a good advantage. And then the play broke down and, <laughs> and um, he walked up to the player who literally should have had a yellow card and just went, don't do it again. You know, and, and and this 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 is that impacted on all of it. And and luckily we got three points. Like like Ben said, if it had been we'd got a draw or heaven forbid they'd beaten us two one, I think we'd be having a different discussion now about about that decision. Absolutely. It it's very easy to be pragmatic when you've won. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right, lads. So we'd have been getting Michael Palin on town hall steps if that had been. We'd have, we'd have had them all out. We'd have been shoes off and everything. Right. So <laughs> as it stands right now, Sheffield Wednesday, top of the league. Uh, we've still got that game in hand that we were desperately protecting. And I'm honestly, there are very few times as a Sheffield Wednesday fan do you come up a game where it's must win and we've won. We haven't done that in a number of years. You know what I mean? Like. When I, when I think back to that game against Crystal Palace at the end of the season, when I think back to the game at Wembley, when I think back to that game at the weekend, you know, Derby away, that Derby County, you know what I mean? There are there are a whole host of things where we've needed a favour from the footballing gods and we've never got it. And that one on Saturday was amazing. And again, it's one of those things where you go, how can eleven blokes kicking a football around the pitch wearing wearing all the same shirt? Influence what a good mood I was in all weekend as well. Like it, it's absolutely insane, right? However, three days later, we're in the fourth round of the FA Cup against checks notes uh, a, ta- a team a team called Fleetwood. Oh, um, I've heard of them. Yeah, played them before. I think we might have played them once or twice before. Um, who wants to pick this one up? Because if I'm honest, without sounding like one of those guys on Twitter, because there's no really way of wording it on Twitter without sounding like an asshole, I don't care. Like, after that game on Saturday, right? if we'd have lost that game on Saturday, I'd have gone, 
let's go and smash them. Let's give them something to cheer about. But when when we beat Plymouth on Saturday, I remember thinking, I now don't give a shit about the cup. <laughs> like after Newcastle game, most important thing in the world. Right, you know, I was like, "This is amazing!" And then we're gonna get, we're gonna get through a round because we've only got Fleetwood to beat, a team who we keep beating left, right, and centre. We're their bogey team, and then the, and then, uh, and then we went, went up there on Tuesday night, Simon. You went, you went yourself, right? I did. Oh, tell yeah. us about it, because uh, oh, I'm gonna God. give you four. I went, minutes, up, I went up with uh, with Ash and our boys and and AD. So AD managed to make an away game, and it actually kicked off. Took uh, place. Yeah, took place, yeah. Um, we actually had a discussion in the pub beforehand, so we've had, uh, what was it, 2-1 at their place, 1-0 at Hillsborough, uh, 1-0, so we thought this is going to be them winning this game. We drove yeah. we drove along, uh, obviously, the 62, we went past Burnley, uh, and we were like, right, well, that's where we'd have to go if, if, if we get past and Burnley beat Ipswich. And you know what? It's a midweek game, and we just all went, Meh. Really, really, really not interested. And you know what? Was the, did the atmosphere reflect that? That Was it a bit yes, flat? as on both sides. Too? On both sides. So Fleetwood didn't bring a lot either. We didn't. We, I think we'd sold out. But to be honest, I think a lot of the fans decided we're going to give it a miss travelling up there. It was three and a quarter hours up there. It was a horrible journey up there. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I feel that the team felt the same. Um, that yeah, I, I felt I felt that this was a sort of like, oh, do we have to? I think I think if we maybe if we'd had a glamour tie in the next round, yeah. uh, home or away, I think it might have been a different team selection. So we'll get on to the team selection. He made ten changes, um, mm-hmm. and that's where I feel a little bit let down, not by more, but by the players who came in. Um, there was players who came in who. And, and I'm not going to pick on players like Jaden Brown and the young lad who played, because Jaden Brown's not played since October. Um, the the young lad who had his, is he 17, John? I think he was his, um, his, his debutant. Yeah, and, he was and, 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 yeah, and I, you know what? I thought he had a really good game. I thought mm-hmm. he was the shining star out of it. Um, but players like Backinson, Backinson, the midfield of Adenarin, um, Deli Bashiru, Backinson, really let the fans down. And let more down because oh. they they are they are the players who um, are the ones that should have taken on board uh, and 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 pushed you know like Backinson and Dennerin and Deli Bashiru they're 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 on the cusp of the first team and mm-hmm. they didn't turn up midfield was absolutely dreadful I think he got his selection at the back a little wrong because that guy who plays the big guy who plays up front for them that number twenty who scored. Um, the the other week against us, um, he was is either it up Hunt. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, he, he was up against. I mean, he's a massive unit, good player, really good player, and he was up against Palmer at one point. He was up against Hunt at one point. We we're playing Hunt as a centre back. Um, then they put Femwo across on him, and and not 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 all three of them couldn't cope. To which point, obviously, at half time, we we made a substitution at the back and, and brought. Dominic on, and and it, it it felt to me that the players felt the game was a minor irritation in in their way to hopefully winning the league. That it was just a, a bit of a game that we've got to play. I mean, I mean, we talked about it walking back to the car afterwards, and we said that maybe what we should have done is basically say to the fans, you know what, 
was going to put the youth team out. You're going to put the youth team out. Don't bother coming up to watch it. We'll knock some prices off some tickets for a home game. If if the FA fine us, fuck them. We don't care. Uh, and 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 just basically treat it with the, with the contempt it deserved. <laughs> I I I'd never ever 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 want to go to Fleetwood again. And I must say, if I can say one positive, the stewards and the police of uh, Fleetwood and that East Flight Coast were brilliant to the Wednesday fans. They were wishing us a you know, safe journey home. I mean, it's a long way to go up, and the team not perform, and and it was quite depressing. Um, and they were brilliant. The stewards were brilliant, but I never, ever, ever want to see Wood, see Fleetwood ever, ever again. They are a horrible team. They have a horrible manager, and it's just I don't want to. I, if anything, we have to go up so we don't go to Fleetwood again. So that's that that's that's what it is. You know what I mean? That's that's the exact reason. I don't want to talk about Fleetwood on this show anymore. I'm bored no. of them. Yeah. But I know and I, I know fuck all about them really. The only thing I can get is that they have a shit house manager and they constantly have a shit house manager. They've gone from Joey Barton to Scott Brown, who are if I said to a twenty year old kid, name me two shit houses in the last ten years, it'd be those two. You know yeah. what I mean? Aiden Flint probably being the other one. You know what I mean? He's probably going to manage Fleetwood at some point in the future. <laughs> now, Ben, John, do you have anything to add to that whatsoever? Because I am absolutely done with talking about Fleetwood. No, I'll move on. I just think, like Simon said, I think we were we were one ball away from drawing Man United away. I think it might have been a bit different had that been the case if we'd have beat Fleetwood. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think it's just one of them... I never like it when we draw someone from from the same league. You know, when you're on, in a cup run and you want, and the ball's going to the heart, and you're thinking, "Come on, let's get let's get a Premiership team, let's get one of the big big six or whatever, yeah. or or even somebody decent high end Championship." Because I think when you draw them, you think they might underestimate you, like Newcastle did, and, and and we turned them over. But when you draw somebody in the same league, it's always like, "Oh, you know, I don't you don't really want it." And even if you know, if we'd have got through, our luck could have been the Ipswich would have won the Burnley game with a cop for them. So. I just think, you know, after after the high of Plymouth, I, I agree. I think some of the players probably like didn't want it, you know. But Backinson probably feels like that taxi driver that, you know, Banner's getting all airport runs and Backinson has to pick somebody up from Wyvern and take him to... Yeah, just don't me. Just like, come on, man, I'm going to get my chance. Like, so nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted that game. They just turned up, just, just turned up, didn't want it. To rolled over. See you later. Let's go home and think about Ipswich. Yeah. Oh, Great. thinking about Ipswich. Oh, I think about. I can think about other things in bed, but Ipswich. But talking of Ipswich, early on, I caught up with this chap. Okay, welcome back to another part of uh, Hello from the Other Side, where I talk to somebody from the other side. It's as simple as that. Today, I'm talking to Roscoe from the Kings of Anglia podcast. Ross, are you all right, pal? Yeah, looking forward to the game this weekend, mate. A big game. Two of the top dogs in League One. Bring it on, my friend. Well, I, I, I tell you what, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, a lot's been made of Derby County's charge uh, of late. Have they been tearing up the... Uh, tearing up the league. I mean, it, it, are you looking over your shoulder to them or what? What, what do you reckon? Yeah, sadly, it's becoming that case now because uh, we've dropped points, we've lost some games and, you know, for a while we were running away with it, really. We are like, oh, okay, it's just going to be a battle of the, you know, the three teams, you know, yourselves and Plymouth. But now Derby are creeping up, Barnsley bowling a little bit. 
So, uh, yeah, sadly, yeah, Derby are going to be one of those teams that are like, oh, OK, when we play them, it's going to be massive. Well, that's a that's a lovely segue into what I was going to ask you in terms of case to the X. So there's a there's a couple of players that uh, that Derby have got in Mendes Lang that we had last season and uh, Joe Wildsmith in goal. And fair play to him, you know, it didn't really work out at uh, at Sheffield Wednesday for them, especially Mendes Lang, who was um, who a lot of fans would would blame for not tracking back in the uh, in the playoff uh, playoff semi final last season. Um, but they seem to be doing okay. And you guys have got George Hurst and. We're, there's a lot to be said about George Est and, yeah. uh, and Massimo Luongo, who, uh, who played for you in the, uh, a few years ago. So let's start with Mass. How's he getting on? Is he all right? Are you looking after him? Uh, well, he's, uh, it sounds like he could be injured. Um, he didn't travel on Tuesday night for the replay against Burnley, so that's not great. But um, when he has played, he actually played in the first game against Burnley at mm-hmm. Portland Road when we drew 0-0. And he was he was fantastic when he came off the bench and he played really well. And I've always liked Massimo. I've always followed his career when he came on loan back in 2012 from Spurs. And, you know, he's gone on to go to Swindon and yourselves and QPR. And I've always liked him as a player. Um, and when he signed, I thought, that's a great signing for a free transfer. You know, was mm. with you guys last year. You know, he was in the playoff team. And I thought, that's a great signing. Um, but then you also wonder, he hasn't played much football. He didn't play at Middlesbrough all season during that, you know, last, you know, first half of um, this season. So he's always up, you know, is he going to be fit? He's only played a couple of games, but he's going to be a solid player, I'm sure, going forward. I don't know if he'll play this weekend. Will he be in the 18? I don't know. But, um, yeah, a player that I like. But You know what? I'm happy for him. There's a, there's a, there's a weird thing where, like, when, uh, when Mass left, uh, he posted something really cryptic on Instagram, something along the lines of, well, I didn't know I was leaving, or, or you know, something that, that inferred that. And, um, you know, out of the players that, that, so Darren Moore wanted to, you know, rebuild his squad and get long-term players and all the rest of it. Uh, Lomongo was one of those players that we were actually a bit, oh wow, he's gone. You know what I mean? Like, like, there's no, there's no real animosity there. However, moving on to the other case of the ex that you've got in George Erst, um, he's not our mate. Uh, I, I don't know if you know the entomology of this story. So his dad is an absolute Sheffield Wednesday legend from back in the nineties, and. Um, and there was a point where I think his, his dad was kind of involved in trying to uh, negotiate a new contract and try to get him some more money. And we, we, we played him in a few championship games and he didn't really set the world on fire. Well, he's not David Erst, if I'm honest. You, you know what I mean? And um, and what happened was Leicester tried to try and buy him. We we told them, you can't have him. And then their their feeder team from, I, I want to say, Finland or, some, or Holland or somewhere like that. Think, yeah. It, yes, yeah. He, he went there for a season, then ended up at Leicester. Then he's been loaned out. Then he and then he was at Portsmouth and 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 at Rotherham and 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 there was a really interesting bit where we needed to secure playoffs last season, and we needed to beat Portsmouth to to make sure we were one hundred percent in the playoffs, so we didn't have to, you know, wait on any other other scores for that day. And uh, you know, I, I live on the south coast. I've driven up to Hillsborough. I've got got all that way to sit there and seven minutes in, George has to spank one absolutely unmarked at our home end and shushed us all. Albeit, you know, we did go on to win that game four one, but that was a tentative twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that, I can imagine. So you know, as far as the Sheffield Wednesday fans are concerned, you know, George Hurst isn't going to get a warm welcome. Um, and when you when you chap signed him, there was a point where. We thought, well, sod him, he's been rubbish. He's not scored any goals, but then scored against Burnley, didn't he? Mm, he did, but it was a very scrappy goal. You, you, you can claim it because, you know, as a striker, you're always going to claim your goals. But um, if you watch it back, it, it, it could be a case for a known goal. But um, 
once again, he's a player that Kieran McKenna, um, you know, the manager at Town, has been chasing for a while. He's really liked him. Um, he was trying to sign him in the summer. Didn't happen. Went to Blackburn. Didn't work out for him at Blackburn. And then in the window, we, you know, we signed him. And um, he's on loan for the season. And he's still trying to get fully up to speed. I will admit, the first few games, I was like, I don't know about this chap, you know. I don't know. He's he's very raw and he's, he's a bit rusty. Um, but there is a player there. And um, yeah, when, when this game was coming on the horizon, I was like, okay, this is going to be the big talking point going into this game. And I'm sure he's going to be well up for this. But the question mark will be, will he start? Because we've got Freddie and Dapo. He's, you know, both mm-hmm. of them are going to be competing for that position. Um, so that'd be the big question mark going into this one. Will he start against his former team or will Adapo come in? That is going to be the big question. But um, yeah, George Hurst, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be well up for it, as you said, against his uh, former club and his dad. Maybe his dad's going to be at the game, most likely, you think so. You know, the legend being with you guys, you oh, think he could be there at Porton Road. If he is, my heart will flutter. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's a, um, there's a, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the Dapo ju- just prior then. Would would you say he's your he's your biggest threat for the for this game? Yeah, I think so. He's you know he's the target man up top. He's been scoring the goals. Um, he's been going under the radar in terms because you know town fans have been frustrated because we haven't had that twenty goal a season striker for years, and you know they're hoping for Freddie that Dapo was going to be that man. He's very for some reason he's very fifty fifty on the fan base. I think some fans love him. Some fans think. I don't think he's good enough. He's not going to score us the goals, but he's quietly gone under the radar. I think he's scored 13 goals so far. Um, some of them have been in the cup against some lower league teams, but they all count, don't they? All, strikers count them all. Um, but he's definitely oh, going to be a threat. If he starts, he's a big, big lad. I'm sure your defenders will have a, a good game against him. But um, yeah, he's definitely a player to look out for. And I'm sure he's going to be well up for this game. He scored against Plymouth. Um, in the game against them at home park. So I'm sure he wants to score now against another promotion rival. Absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned earlier on about the, the three teams that were going to that were gonna fight it out amongst themselves. And I agreed with you. I thought you were right. But there's been a couple of years with Plymouth are an interesting one. Now, Plymouth have gone hell for leather for years now and they absolutely <laughs> go bound into the top league. And then they just fall away. Now, do you know, do you, do you feel like Plymouth have managed to get over that hurdle a little bit, or, or, or are you hoping for another Plymouth collapse? Yeah, definitely this season because yeah, last year we were completely out of the playoff race. You know, I, I, you know, famously said actually on our podcast that the season was dead in January because we just had a bad result, and I just went, yeah, we're not. The season's done. Let's not even bother. You know, turn up, play, play a game, whatever, play the ninety minutes, but there's no point because we're not, we're not going to get in the playoffs. This year is very different. We're we're up there, thankfully. You know, we have spent a bit of money, so you hope to be up there. Um, I actually called Plymouth Dark Horses last season because I just mm-hmm. thought they made some good recruitment. Even though Ryan Lowe left and went to Preston, I still thought they had a good squad. And, you know, when we played them, I thought they had a good footballing side. This year, I feel they're different. Um, although they have had a big injury update with Michael Cooper, their keeper, going to be out for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. That's going to be, a, for any club, to lose your main goalkeeper is, is a massive loss, massive blow. Um I think they they may just have enough, even though more than Whitaker has now gone back to Swansea. That's another big miss. But I think they maybe just have enough to cling on to at least playoffs this year. But I think at the moment, for me, I'm, I'm not saying this on your podcast, but I think you guys are you guys are going to do it, aren't you? You're definitely in the top two, probably win, win the title. Plymouth, yeah. I think they'll be up there. I think, once again, we, we, we failed to beat them both times we faced them. You guys did beat them. So you've got that over them. You know, we just got to hope other teams beat them as well. But that's that's, that's the one. thing this year. We're, we're chasing. We're chasing, you know, mm-hmm. 
So, which is a frustrating thing. But maybe you, you guys, you know, you're getting, you're, you're, the, you're the, we're hunting you now. So yeah, we're, we're the team we're to beat now, aren't we? This, yeah, is, this, this is new, new ground for us. I mean, you know, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of teams come to Hillsborough and they, they, they want to turn up and all the rest of it. But there's an element of now, oh Christ, like we're top of the tree, like here, yeah. like you know what I mean? There's, there's something new here. And then when you, you know, we've we've had to play Fleetwood, Fleetwood, three times in the last three months with cup draws and, and, and rearranged fixtures and all the rest of it, and um. And they, they got one over us on, on, on Tuesday, well, last night. And um, and they really came to not play football, to really shut us down. And and there's an element of, of when you're one of those big clubs and, and Ipswich are, are, are in that same bracket where they've got these big stadiums, they've got this big following, and they just want to come up, shut up shop and see if they can grind out a nil-nil or maybe head in a corner or something like that. And I tell you what, League One's grim, isn't it? Oh. Or Fleetwood came to Porton Road, you know, a few months back, and they scored like a ninety-fourth minute equaliser. It was just a deflection, and it was just deflating. As you know, it was so deflating because you think, oh, we've grinded out a one-nil win here, and then out of nowhere, boom! And you know, Fleetwood fans, I always praise them because you know that's a long way to go for them. That was a Tuesday night, and I think there's like maybe fifty people there for Fleetwood in the away end, so that they were happy they got the equaliser. But yeah, teams like Fleetwood and Morecambe and stuff when they come to Porton Road or Hillsborough. It is a big day out for them because it's a massive stadium against a big team, you know, with, with our history and stuff. Once again, you know, I hate saying that, but we do have the history, you know, Jeff Wednesday, Itchwich, everything. Um, but yeah, their teams, it's just so hard to, you know, grind down and get a result. And thankfully this season, we've, we've changed that a little bit. We've been able to beat those sort of teams. You know, last year, we couldn't beat any of the promotion, newly promoted teams. Yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah. what was the difference between last season and this? What, you know, what do you reckon the main difference is? Because I, I thought you were going to be one of the big hitters last season and, and something yeah. something didn't quite gel. Is, is there been some big changes there? Yeah, the, the big word was, you know, time to gel. You know, Paul Cook was the manager um, that summer. That was his first false, you know, transfer window in the summer. He signed 19 players. 19 players is just ridiculous for any football club. So the, the question was like, you know, we didn't have a good start to the season. We had a few draws and defeats here and there. And the question was, time to gel. You know, these players need time. You know, we've got a whole new first 11 here. And then, we, you know, we got a first win in September. You know, we had a few other good results and then, you know, with some bad results and then it just, he just got, it was just time for him to go. Um, and then McKenna came in and he's just changed the style of football. He signed some very good players as well. He has got the money to do that. Um, so that is the complete difference from last year to this year. We've been able to, we've got a lot of curses. It's just town is a cursed football club with different things. So like beating the newly promoted teams, winning on Sky, um, just winning the big matches. Like we played Portsmouth back in October and we, we could never beat a top six team or a top 10, at least a top 10 team. And we've done that this year. Um, but we still didn't beat Plymouth, but that's what it is, what it is. Uh, that's what we didn't do last year. We, you know, we didn't beat them at their place and we didn't beat them this year at their place. But um, that's the difference, I think, is the mentality with the squad a little bit, although it's still there in the background because we've, you know, we've been, four, I don't know if you saw the Cholton game, we were 4-2 up in the 95th minute. And then they scored two goals and four four. It was, it was yeah, still scarred from that day. And I think that's from that moment. I don't think the players have got over it really because that happened mm -hmm. in November, and since then it's been very different to the start. Of the season. Do you get those tentative last ten minutes that when you're trying to defend a, a one nil and, you, and all the crowds start to get edgy and everybody yeah. starts screaming every clearance? I mean, Pretty we much. we had an element of that last season where we didn't see any of the results out. We threw away a lot of points and things like that. And it's an unpleasant place to be when you've got the best part of 30,000 people say, get rid of it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's hard work. All right. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to finish on, 
you know, obviously I'm going to ask you for a prediction, but I just want to finish on this one. There was a point where we were looking for a, a new manager as we've been through about 12 in the last five minutes, probably as we've been talking here. Um, Darren Moore's been there now for, for a long time, but there was a point where we wanted Paul Cook, where I think he interviewed for the role. And I think we ended up with Tony Pulis at the time after, after Gary Monk's departure. And, um, and Paul Cook went there and I thought, oh, hang on a minute. He's a wily manager. He knows what he's doing. What what do you think it was? Was it just a, a literally just a case of cohesion and it just didn't happen? Or as, as McKenna brought in a load of different players, different type of player, that, that type of thing? What do you what do you think it was? You know, I think once again, the town team now is still a lot of Paul Cook signings. You know, Sam Morsley, the captain, Christian Walton in goal, um, players like Lee Evans, Wes Burns, you know, Connor Chaplin was a Paul Cook signing. I think, yeah, it was just some people maybe think, did he have enough time? He got sacked in December, but there were some bad results, and we just we the football weren't wasn't too bad, but there was just moments where you think mm, maybe he's not the right man, and you know he was it was a very interesting situation because we got new owners back in in March mm-hmm. um, and last year, and you know we, the question mark was Paul, was Paul Cook the old Marcus Evans owner appointment or was he the new guys, and that is. That's what the big question mark was when the new owners came in. Was he the right? Was he the appointed man? That, and Mark Ashton is our CEO, our CEO, and he's he's um, he he's what man who brought in McKenna. And some people think no, he's he's brought in McKenna. He, he's he's the sort of man he wants to sort of lead this team. He's not going to be the the character that Paul Cook is. You know, Paul Cook. You know, he's got you know he's got credentials. He's won promotion out of this division. He's won League Two titles. He's done a lot of great things at Wigan and stuff in, in Portsmouth. But I think maybe it wasn't. You know, Mark Ashton and the owners, man. I think they wanted someone else. They wanted a young, upcoming manager, someone hungry who had some good ideas. You know, Paul Cook, he's a good enough manager to an extent, but I think he didn't really have a plan B. And I think McKenna, at times, can I can get a bit worried. I think, well, oh, has he got a plan B? Because we've had a few results this year. But I think a lot of town fans have been really impressed by McKenna because he's a very intelligent young man. He's you know he's thirty six. He has, mm. has a has a big risk to bring in a young manager, and he's that main United assistant. But um, but yeah, Paul, it was a shame it didn't happen because I, I liked the appointment at first, but I think it was the right decision overall. Okay, so this is that point, the, the bit where I'm going to ask you, I'm going to trouble you for a prediction. Is there anybody you've got your eye on where you're thinking if they if they're on their game, they're going to they're going to cause us some problems? I mean, what what do you reckon? How do you feel it's going to go this weekend? Oh, I'm not. I'm, some for some reason I'm actually pretty good at predictions on our podcast. I've had some good ones right that so could be not good for you guys if I do <laughs> say my prediction is right. But I'm sure like a lot of people they're, they're going to do this the typical prediction a draw, one one draw, two two maybe a goalless draw. You know two good footballing sides. Um, I'm edging to a draw. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty boring. But uh, I think that's the predictable scoreline when two big dogs face each other. That's what normally happens. I'm going to go for a one one. I think that's the standard in it. I think maybe we'll take the lead. You know, the big crowd, great atmosphere. You know, it's going to be packed out Portland Road. Um, you know, it's great. When we went to Hillsborough, it's great atmosphere. And then, you know, Portland Road will be the same. So I think we'll take the lead and then you guys will probably score an equalise. That's what, what happened with Plymouth. We were 1-0 up. Happy days. Everyone was happy. And then they go and equalise. You're like, God's sake. Here we go again. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's what's going to happen likely. All right. Well, listen, Roscoe, thanks a lot for joining us, man. And, uh, I, you know, Kings, Kings of Only a podcast. Get it where you can get all the podcasts, right? Yeah, pretty much. No worries. Thanks a lot for joining us. See you later.
Thanks a lot to those guys. Uh, so, right, lads, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the quiz this evening. I haven't, um, I haven't checked this quiz. I haven't looked round it. I haven't done my homework on it. But I'm still going to guarantee you it's better than what Blair can produce when uh, when I'm not here. So, uh... <laughs> oh, I got I got pulled to one side. In, I got pulled to one side by a chap. If I mention him, I, I didn't get his name, but he he lives down in Bath, and um, he sort of collared me as I was queuing for the loo at half time on Saturday and his first words were where the hell did Blair get that quiz from <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like it was I'd like turned around and went oh hello <laughs> yeah sorry about that my I'm, one and only know. hosting probably yeah I, I thought I, it was I, a bit I, sus when he's saying like Fletcher's in top 25 online. Yeah, oh. but the rest of us all agreed with it. I mean, Jesus Christ. Listen, if it's written down, you can't disagree with it. You know what I mean? That's 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 the rules. So, right. So, um, sh- this one's fairly bog standard. It's going to test a few, it's going to test a few brains. And, and I tell you what, like I said, this is, this is a really popular bit of the show, but it also pisses people off because I don't think they understand just how much pressure is on you. When all of a sudden I go, so then this is the question. And, all, and everything you know, you just forget. Straight away, it's mental. So, <clears throat> the quiz this yeah. week, easy as. Sheffield Wednesday managers from 1990 onward. That's it. Simple as that. Let's go. So, I'm going to go. Go on. Does this involve caretakers and all that rubbish? It does involve caretakers, yeah. yes. I've got all them in front of me. Thanks again to Martin Beebe, who who does provide some quality quizzes online, Blair. <laughs> from, so <laughs> from, from when, sorry, did you say, Dan? From when I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you it's Ron Atkinson onward. So I'll give you the first one. So Ron Atkinson, everybody after. It's as simple as that. Right? So um okay. I'm going to go John, Ben, and Simon. I've not got my notebook. Oh, here we are. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it with me. And I've done this notebookless today, and it's uh, it. You can you can tell. So, <laughs> so right. So, John, you never know. You don't usually get to go first. So I'm going to go with you first. John, name me a manager on the list from Ron Atkinson. Terry Yorath. Terry Yorath is there. Ben. Uh, Brian Laws. Brian Laws is there. Simon. Peter Shreves. Shregor. He is there. Back to you, John. Hang on, I'll tell you what. I should, Trevor Francis. I should mark these, shouldn't I? Just because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when you said to me, as Egon, I'll be like, oh, yeah. How many so have we got? got? How many are there, Dan? Oh, hang on. Let me have a look. We've got one, uh, including Atkinson. 45. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. Jesus wept. <laughs> right. So, hang on. Who did you say, John, to start with? Uh, Trevor Francis. Trevor Francis. Tricky, Trev. Uh, he's second on the list. Well, first on the list. Uh, then, Ben, you had... Yeah, it's for your audio. It's gone airwire all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh, did it? My apologies. Sorry, I'll go again. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, you're ta- sounds like you're talking at two times speed of sound. Yeah, is it does. Still fucked? Is it still fucked? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> really? 
You sound like Alan Ball. <laughs> how, how quick did it do oh, it? Has it gone back oh, to normal? It's all right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I'll come back to that. So, hang on, Ben. Who did you say in the quiz? Um, I'll go Carlos. No, who did you say to start with? I'm just catching up here. Oh, sorry. I said Brian Laws. Brian Laws. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, right. We're back to John. John, who did you say? So, John, we're back to you. Um, oh, Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. There he is. He's there. Steve Bruce. That's John. Right. Ben? Carlos. I'll go for Carlos Cavalial. He's there. Simon? Uh, Chris Turner. Chris Turner. He's there. He's not. He's still available. Right. Now, back to you, John. Paul Sturrock. Luggy. Where is he? There okay. he is. He's on my list. There he is. Luggy's there. Ben? Um, Dave Jones. Dave Jones. There he is. There he is. Dave Jones. He's uh, he's on the list. Simon, back to you. Gary Megson. Mego. Megoland. The Megmeister General. He's there. <laughs> All right, then. Back to you, John. Lee Bullen. Liam Bullen. <laughs> Liam Bullen. Lee Bullen. Caretaker three times. So if you if you separated, we've already had Peter Shreves and Lee Bullen. If you separated theirs into uh, they're, they're three each. So so wow. not only out of the twenty odd I've got, you can also add another four just for Shrigor and the Bulldog. Hmm. So uh right, back to Ben. Darren Moore. Moro. There he is, bottom of the list. There he is. Look, that's it. Darren Moore. Simon. Uh, Danny Wilson. Danny Wilson has not gone yet. There he is. Back to you, John. Tony Pulis. Oh. I must admit, Tony Pulis's comments in the media recently were very um, respectful. I, I, you know, there's a lot more he probably wanted to say because of non-disclosure agreements, and I appreciate the scepticism from a lot of people online. But tell you what, we can just go look. You weren't the right fit. See you later. Fair play. I'll, I'll give him that. You know, I'll give it him. But you're right. He should have done better when he was there, though. <laughs> uh, ben, um, Gary Monk, full of Gary Monk. There it is. He's there. Simon, Paul Jewell. Paul Jewell. There he is. Paul Jewell. Uh, did anybody see that rumour of him in his homemade sex tape? Did anybody see that? <laughs> no. uh, if you If you Google it, there is a man on some homemade grumble movie that is a spitting image of Paul Jewell, and I am determined to find out whether it's really him or not. Like, I really <laughs> I feel have... like I've heard something like that on Under the Cosh about something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a th- it's a thing because this geezer is literally the spitting image of him. It, like I've never seen out like it. All right, back to <laughs> back to John. There you are. Um, I'm not sure if we said this one. I'll Josh Lukai. Josh Lukai. We haven't said Dross. Uh, cross between Freddie Mercury and Drooper the dog. Ben. <laughs> uh, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart Gray. Stuart Gray, caretaker, oh, then manager. As such, as such mm. now now one of the top end coaches in the Premier League. That's great, mm. isn't it? Uh, Simon, <laughs> Alan Irvine. Alan Irvine, he's got to be on here. Where is he? He's got Kill to be on here. Alan Irvine, there he is. 
highly recommended and uh, didn't really set the world on fire. Uh, John? Um, I'm really struggling now. There's a couple um, of big ones you're missing here, lads. Is there? From when? 1990. Um, 1990. So it goes Atkinson and one of you's audio, Trevor Francis. Uh, yeah. Who would have had? Um, I'm going to have to hurry you for an answer there, John. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I can't think of one, honestly. All right, that's that's John giving up the goat at six. Ben, have we had Terry? Have we had Terry Yorath? We have not yeah. had Terry Yorath, so you can have Terry there. There he is. I said Terry um, Yorath, didn't I? Oh, did you? Yeah. I think you did, actually. No, we have had Terry Yorath, actually. Yes, I've got him. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mark him off. Go on, Ben, try again. Neil Thompson. Neil Thompson. That's a oh, cracking one. A he, he did hold, he did hold, the, hold yeah. the reins. Simon. David Pleat. David Pleat is the big one I thought you all got years, <laughs> about oh four rounds God. ago. There's Pleto. Right now we're into some absolute dross here, lads. And I tell you what, it's going to take so it's going to take some doing this. How many is that? How many is the left? Yeah. There is one, two, three, four, five, and they're all they're all short termers. How how many have you got, Sai, in your head? Have we got one? I I I, to be honest, can't remember what we said (laughs) and what we had said because I'm not been writing them down. Um. Uh, I'm struggling now, to be honest. Is it, it's, is it my go? It's my go. Yeah, yeah it's your go, Ben. Uh, Sean McCauley. Sean McCauley is the biggest one of those names that we've got. Two times in charge, wow. Sean, Academy Manager McCauley. Right then, Simon, it, it, I, I think you're going to struggle here, pal, unless you pull one right out of the bag. Right, just bear with me. Bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. I think I've said all ones I've... I've st- I've seen. These, these are hard. You've been through all the ones I've seen. I think you might be missing two, Ben. But I'll put Sorry, you out of your misery a bit. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh ah. I might have one in that case. Go on, Ben. Go on, Simon. I'm going to have to hurry you for an no, answer. No, mate, I can't. I don't know. Don't know. All don't right. Know. Ben, have you got any more? Ben's so, one so again. You're saying that there's two... From sort of two thousand and seven, six, seven onwards. Yeah. Russ Wilcox. No, I've not got Russ Wilcox on the list, so I, I, I don't I know wonder if, if uh, charge. One of one of Steve's Bruce's assistants might have took over for a game or two while they came over, oh, well, came oh, over from yeah, his cricket watching days. They? Can you name him? Steve Agnew. Yeah. Steve Agnew was one. Steve Clemens. Steve, Steve Clemens was the other. So that's that's the that's the two I thought you'd get, Ben. And then the other side of that, you've got Andy Holdsworth, the academy coach. The academy I was going to say him, but I didn't think it were because he, he he took the game down the exit, didn't he? Yeah, took over as Thompson had COVID, and uh, <laughs> Mark Smith after Chris Turner, and there was right. Bill Green after Terry Yorath uh, were the oh, ones you were missing. No. But I tell you what, lads, in <laughs> terms of. Uh, in terms of how shit we normally do on those quizzes, that was actually quite impressive. I'm actually <laughs> that that weren't too bad, lads. Right, I so Randy Oldsworth, but I didn't think that he'd, he'd be on just for one game. I thought he, he, ah, they're all there, mate. They're all there. Martin, don't fuck about. You're not you're not playing yeah. with Blair now. You know what I mean? <laughs> all the all the info's there. Um, 
Okay, so, right, last thing to do, John, I'm going to come to you first. Give me a, uh, an Ipswich an Ipswich prediction. Um, obviously, it's it's a way, it's going to be a tough game. They're going to want to try and beat us. I'm thinking, I'm hoping we come back some points, but I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. That's uh, quite sensible, that. John, what about you, Ben? Um, I'd be happy with 1-1. One, one. Well, I, th- I think one one's uh, the where the sensible money is, Simon. What are you saying? Five nil. <laughs> I was going to say two nil Wednesday. Go for it, mate. Fuck it. Why not? I'm going to say one nil Wednesday. Actually, I'm going to go for it. I'm going for it because I think we've got the difficult. So, be a windy pops there. We've got the difficult one out of the way, mm-hmm. and I think we're unstoppable now. I think our confidence is so high. I think we're absolutely going to tear them apart, and because they're in a bit of a shit form at the minute, Derby are picking up points. I think Derby are going to probably steal third. Uh, and hopefully lose it in the playoffs. I'd be really happy with that. But anyway, chaps, thanks thanks a lot for joining us this evening. There's only one thing that remains me to say, and that is uh, fly high, fellow Al. Uh, big shout out to Sir Jodstrom, who unfortunately passed away uh, the other night just before we uh, just for recording. He was one of the uh, one of the big owls in the uh, in the community on the uh, in the online community. And um, you know, I'm sorry to say, he passed away from a long a long battle with uh, with cancer. But this one's dedicated to you, Serge. Thanks a lot for joining us. See you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.